Well, if you can stand and you would like to stand, I would love it if you grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 125 with me and I'm going to read it. I would love it if you could read along with me while you're standing, if you're able to. Psalm 125, reading from the Christian Standard Bible, says this. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Heard this before somewhere. I can guarantee you there's not one sentence coming after this, but those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. It cannot be shaken. It remains forever. The mountains surround Jerusalem and the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, so that the righteous will not apply their hands to injustice. Do what is good, Lord, to the good, to those whose hearts are upright. But as for those who turn aside to crooked ways, the Lord will banish them with the evildoers. Peace be with Israel and peace to you. Why don't you take a seat? That is the Lord's word. Lord, as we've read your word, we hear your voice. We believe that. Lord, that you are a God who speaks. And Lord, we acknowledge now that we are a weak people without you. We think that we're strong so often, but we tend to put our strength in places that don't, that don't deliver. And so, Lord, we want to turn our hearts towards your voice this morning because you have the words of eternal life. You have words of strength and victory and power. And so we want to hear what you have to say this morning. Help us, Lord, to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Not a long verse. Marty pretty much preached about a quarter of my sermon already. Thanks, Marty. Since you're sort of getting adept at it, mate, 2022, all right? You're on the roster. This really is a, a psalm about strength, right? A, a psalm about where we find strength and what strength does to us, how we should respond to strength. And it got me thinking about the sources of strength that we look to, the places that we look to for strength. And so there's an age-old question, where does strength come from? I think strength, the, the concept of strength, it's, a, um, it's, it's quite a fascinating concept to dwell on for a little while. And if you do, if you stop and think about strength, a number of other questions begin to sort of sift to the surface a little bit. So before I can answer, I think, the question of where strength comes from, we first have to answer the question, well, what is strength in the first place? Before I can find out where it comes from, I have to be able to identify what it is. How would you define strength? Give it 20 seconds in your mind. How would you define 
strength. not that easy, really. If you think that you've got a good one, why don't you tell someone near you? All right, who heard a good definition from somebody else? You can out them. You know, Marty's going to go, well, it's not mine, but Lauren said. (laughs) You know? Anyone want to try to define strength? It's not that, yeah, Matt, you didn't have anyone to tell you one, so this must be yours. The ability to overcome. The ability to overcome, all right? I think you've, you've jumped onto a really important part of it, which is good. Anyone want to add anything to that? Or just go, Matt doesn't know what he's talking about, here's mine. Uh, being slow to anger. Being slow. slow to anger, that's strength. I really like where you're going with that, mate. Slow to anger, yep. Oh, you're, you're saying somebody else's. Yeah, all right. You're going to have to speak up really loud because I'm a little hard of hearing. Awesome. I didn't hear anything you said. Somebody else tell me who's closer to her. All right. All right, so extra power that you get, but it's not from in you, it's something from God. Okay, great. Thanks. You're filling out my sermon. Awesome. Anybody else want to add a definition that they heard or something that they just like to add to that? A definition of strength. Power over weakness. All right. Good. I think that sometimes it's hard for us to define the concept of strength because it's, it looks different, doesn't it, in different circumstances. Sometimes strength can look like power and other times it, it's sort of a quiet resolve and it's, it's not sort of showy or flashy or anything else like that, but we, we meet someone and, and we've seen them go through circumstances in life and they've endured and we think, wow, they're really strong. They have strength, all right? I think it can blend into our concepts of ideas of security even. If you're strong, you have Security, but those two things aren't the same, but they are related to each other. There are people who hold a lot of power in this life, but are in fact desperately weak people who are struggling with their insecurities. I think that strength doesn't necessarily equal, you know, maybe power in the way that we sometimes think about power and it doesn't necessarily equal security and there are some people who who we look at in this life and they don't seem to hold any discernible amount of power or authority in this life and yet they appear strong we say they're really strong people and that sort of strength can lead to security sometimes but 
But it makes no sense if we, if we use the terms and the definitions which are given to us by this world. Here are a few ways that I thought of that we can at least look for strength, however we end up defining it. One is physically. We can look for strength physically. We get to about this time of the year, we think lockdown's been hard on me. I need to hit the gym and get strong, all right? And so however you think about physically, it may be um, muscle mass, it may be I want to be healthier and so eat healthier and be stronger. It may be something to do with your physical appearance that you think if that could change, I would feel better about myself, I would be stronger. And so we can look for strength in a physical sense. The other way that we look for strength, I think, is sometimes emotionally. We want to be emotionally strong people, and so we, we try and find ways that will build that strength. And maybe that's an intellectual thing. Maybe your, your brain and your um, personality drives you towards feeling strong because you know stuff. And your intellectual ability to be able to reason with things or to be able to work stuff out or have logic makes you feel strong. Maybe it's sort of a, not so much about intellect, but maybe it's self-mastery, self-will. You know, I'm, I'm very, very strong-willed and I've got a strong resolve and so emotionally I'm a strong person. One of the other very popular ways to people look for strength in this world is to align themselves politically. Aligning with values through which we self-identify. We say, I agree with that value and I'm going to seek to change the broader landscape with this value and so I'm going to put my strength and find my strength in political means. Or maybe we look for strength socially. We're going to change the world through our social action. And I'm going to feel strong about that. And then a very common one, even within churches, is that we look for strength religiously. But even our religious efforts can sometimes be bent towards a quest to gain power for ourselves. And sometimes we blend all these other elements, you know, political and, and social quests, and we start to sort of say, we're going to include them in my religious efforts to make a difference and be strong and, and be powerful even. We need a better strength than those poor imitations. Psalm 125 encourages us to stop looking for inner strength. And I know that cuts against the grain of most of what we hear in the world today, especially if you get your philosophy from social media. We're always being told to find our inner strength. Right? You know, it's either through cutting away toxic people in your life so that you can be a more authentic you and therefore find your inner strength. Or it's go away and have a retreat somewhere and get away from the distraction of this world so that you can listen to your inner strength and discover it. The world tells us that there is an inner strength, but God's word says it's not inner at all. We need to stop looking for inner strength. Verse 1, 
Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Full stop. Let's just break that down for a little bit. There are people who trust in something, all right? Whether that's their physical ability, their social ability, their political ability, their intellectual capacity, whatever it might be. But the psalmist says that there are some other people who trust in the Lord. Their trust is directed outside of themselves, directed towards God. Those who trust in the Lord are like something, all right? And so he's going to make an image here. They are like Mount Zion. Now, that's a, a physical place. It is. There's a mountain. It's also in the Bible. It's, um, it's an idea. It's a concept also, not just a physical mountain. But here's what the psalmist says about Mount Zion. It cannot be shaken and it remains forever. So there's the the imagery that the psalmist wants you to try and attach to Mount Zion, right? There's a a mountain someplace. So in your mind, I want you to picture the biggest mountain that you've ever seen. If you've never travelled outside of Australia... That mountain is not that big, relatively, but it's still big, all right? I've seen some big mountains in Australia. I thought they were big. A couple of years ago, um, Ebony and I went on a trip over to New Zealand. We went to the South Island. I'd never been to the South Island of New Zealand before. Anybody else been to the South Island of New Zealand, travelled around? Look, I love being in the outdoors. I got out we were on the South Island and we weren't very far from where the, the mountain ranges that run down through the middle of the South Island. It was pretty spectacular. Like they were big. And I'd forgotten how big mountains are. (laughs) Um, Many, many more years ago, I got the opportunity to travel through South America and went to the central Andes Ranges in the South American continent. Like that's just blow, it just boggles your mind how big these mountains are. They just keep disappearing up up into the clouds. But whatever the biggest mountain is that you've ever seen, I want you to picture it in your mind. The concept of it not being shaken and being immovable has, has always been with the idea of these large monoliths of rock you know, that, that rise up into the sky. Mountains, they just seem to us as humans, as they just dwarf us. Our biggest structures that we can put together as a human being, they just sort of pale into insignificance beside these great mountains. And that's the idea that the psalmist wants us to try and grab. Mount Zion, it cannot be shaken and it remains forever. That's the picture. But don't forget that what the psalmist is trying to do for us is saying, hey, listen, people who trust in the Lord are like that. Where our strength isn't found within, it's from outside of us and it produces something that we could never do ourselves. I know that that's the case because in verse 2 he continues with the picture and he says, the mountains surround Jerusalem and the Lord surrounds his people. They're the people who he's saying who trust in him. Where is the strength? He says, not in Jerusalem. 
Yes, it's a holy city. Yes, it's where the temple is, but it's not there. That's not where the strength is. The mountains surround Jerusalem and the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. This is the picture that the psalmist is building up of strength and it's not in, it's without. It's in the Lord, not us. Those who look to the Lord are like Mount Zion. It cannot be shaken. It remains forever. The mountains surround Jerusalem and the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. That's where the strength is. I think it would be so easy for the pilgrim back in the day when this was written, who was travelling towards Jerusalem. Remember, this is a psalm of ascent. They're on their way towards Jerusalem. The one who's travelling towards Jerusalem might easily believe that Jerusalem was their destination. Jerusalem was the source of their strength, but they would be wrong. The psalmist says, don't look within the walls. Instead, look what lays outside of them. Look at where Jerusalem rests, hemmed in by the mountains. And so we're encouraged today, stop looking for inner strength. Don't believe the lie that everything that you need is within you. Don't fall for the trap that you contain the resources to rise above the challenges of this world. You don't. I don't. Because strength isn't measured by what you contain but who you're surrounded by. That's how strength is measured. See in verse 2 again, the mountains surround Jerusalem. That's what made Jerusalem secure and strong. The mountains surround Jerusalem. And the Lord surrounds his people. If you belong to the Lord today, you can rest secure and you can feel that sense of power and strength. The things that we talked about as definition to overcome Because of who surrounds us. Because of who stands with us. Strength doesn't come from within. Strength is found when we turn our eyes towards Jesus, right? And we realise that he is the one who hems us in. He is the one who has surrounded us with his love. He is the one who holds us in the palm of his hand. That's what makes strength. There's a a, a fantastic passage in the New Testament that talks about strength, and it's actually about the Apostle Paul. It's It's a much longer passage to deal the context with, but 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you can turn to it if you want to. The longer part of this passage in chapter 12, Paul is trying to basically argue with the church in Corinth who had accused him of being weak, that he wasn't all that he was cracked up to be, and that they said there are so many other preachers and missionaries and evangelists out there who seem to have it altogether so much more than you, Paul. And Paul was giving a defense for his position and his love for these people in Corinth. And part of that He says, he tells them about his experiences with the Lord. 
He tells him them about how he has related to the Lord and how the Lord has blessed him and how the Lord has been kind towards him in so many different ways. And he builds up this picture, but then he basically says, but you know what? It's left me with a sense of weakness and insufficiency. You're right. I am weak. <laughs> and then these verses that many of us love so much, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Paul had some type of affliction. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. Something that he said was put there by the Lord to remind him about his dependence on God. But it, it hurt Paul. I think that's why he called it a thorn in the flesh. You ever stood on a thorn? Ever had even just a small prickle in the sole of your foot or in your thumb after you've been doing some gardening? It's been there for a couple of days. It irritates, right? You can feel it moving in your flesh. You want to dig it out. Paul called this, whatever it was, a thorn in the flesh. And he says, three times I pleaded with God, God, take it away. Take it away. And this is how God responds in verse 9 of chapter 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. All right. Paul knew Listen, I don't have any strength worth talking about. Any strength that resides here is not mine. It is all Christ's. And in fact, the weaker I am, the more his strength is on display. There's a guy who'd passed away a couple of years ago, a real, I think, mountain of a man of faith, J.I. Packer. He wrote a brilliant book on this and it's called Weakness is the way. And I cannot recommend it more highly for you if you're looking for a book to read in 2022. J.I. Packer's Weakness is the Way. It completely turns our fascination with strength on its head. It completely undermines our quest for strength and power and prestige and position and he lays bare, I think, the folly of looking for strength in any other place and in any other way apart from embracing the complete and utter weakness, our weakness on one hand and with the other grip onto and hold onto the incomparable strength of God who holds us in his grasp. And that's what strength is. It is a strength which is unshakable. And that's what the psalmist says, right? Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. It is unshakable. It cannot be shaken. It remains forever. I want you to look at the comparisons that the psalmist makes there. He says the mountains are unshakable and immovable. And that's the sort of strength that so, much, so many of us are looking for. There are so many things in this life that seem to shift us and change all the time. It feels like it's... It's sifting, shifting sand, quicksand. 
He says, listen, the mountains are unshakable. They are immovable. And then he says, God is like those mountains. God is like those mountains. He is unshakable and he is immovable and he surrounds his people for eternity. So when we're looking for strength, where should we run? Where should we go? Inner? Go within? Psalmist says, no. We go without. We go to him. We go to the one who surrounds us. So here's a couple of responses to strength. How should we respond to the strength of God? A strength, remember, which is not from us, but from him. And so the first one is this. The first way that we can respond to the strength of God is just to simply rest in it. We rest in it. We stop chasing. We stop striving. We stop earning. Stop proving. Maybe we have to stop posing. Stop manipulating. Stop fighting. Stop winning. We always got to win. And we're invited to just sit still. To just be still. Maybe this year you've just felt like I, I haven't even been able to breathe. I don't feel like I've been able to breathe properly. God's inviting you just to sit surrounded by his strength and just sit and enjoy it and stop trying to pursue and fight and keep it and just say, I am in the presence of God, surrounded by his care. Just enjoy it. Just rest in it. I still love that old hymn, my hope is built on nothing less. You know what? Some of you do. For those of you who need a reminder, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy veil my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And the chorus... On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And just in case we need the reminder, the hymn writer says it again. All other ground is sinking sand. So we need to rest in his strength. The second way that we can do it is with humility. The type of rest that we have in the strength that comes from outside of ourselves involves great humility on our behalf. We have to admit that we don't have what it takes. We have to finally admit we don't have what it takes, that our best efforts will still fall short, and that I neither have the capacity or the capability to succeed in this life if I only rest on myself. In fact, that verse that I just read out, there's one more verse, the final verse, and it says this, when he shall come with trumpet sound, 
Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Whose righteousness? His, right? Dressed in his righteousness alone is a a statement of humility. I do not have what it takes. It is the strength of God's resolve to hold us that will see you through to the gates of heaven, not yours. We also need patience. Let me read to you Psalm 125 again, just as verse 3 down to the end. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, so that the righteous will not apply their hands to injustice. Do what is good, Lord, to the good, to those whose hearts are upright. But as for those who turn aside to crooked ways, the Lord will banish them with the evildoers. So peace be to Israel. These verses give us hope. But look carefully and you'll see why I say that you have to respond with patience here. Because as the psalmist writes these words, and even as the people are singing these words on their way towards Jerusalem, it seems, as in verse 3 says, it seems that the scepter of the wicked is still raised. But he says it won't always be that way. It won't always be that way. To rest in the unshakable strength of God is to rest in the knowledge that evil will not endure in this world. Even if we see it today, we know that because of the unshakable strength of God, evil will not endure. That wickedness has a use-by date. One day it won't be there anymore. And that that old serpent, Satan, he has already had his head crushed. Even now, he's in his final death throes, maybe, and maybe he's causing havoc amongst the nations now, but even he has a use-by date. One day, he will be finally cast down forever and for an eternity. And so we endure now in the strength of God with patience, knowing that what we see around us isn't always going to be the way that it will be. Psalm 125, verse 5. But as for those who turn aside to crooked ways, the Lord will banish them with the evildoers. I think we need to also respond to God's strength with a sense of confession. We're all prone to turning aside, all of us. We're all prone to wrestling back that scepter of authority from God's hand and to try to wield it in arrogant ways over our own life. We want to be the strong ones, right? We want to take charge. We want to be the masters of our own destiny so often. And every time, have you noticed in your own life? Every time. It's been true of my life. Every time we do that, it ends in misery. Every time. It ends in heartache. Every time. But God is good. He really is. His gentle grace that he's lavished on us is so rich. And he's good to those whose goodness is defined by the goodness of their Saviour. 
That's why the psalmist is calling out. He's saying, look, do good, Lord, to those who are good. And I, and I read that and I just think, well, I'm not good. I'm so grateful that Jesus is. I'm so grateful that his, his goodness, his righteousness alone is what I will be dressed in as I rest in his strength. God is God. Everything he does is good and we must rely on him to instruct us as to what is good. And so we come to his strength with a sense of confession, saying, Lord, I need you. And I'm so prone to wrestling it back and trying to usurp your authority and your goodness in my life. And so we just come with confession. It's the, the hallmark of the gospel life that we would come with confession. Isaiah 40, 30, 31. This is the one that I would have come up and shared at the microphone earlier. Youths may faint and grow weary. Young guys, young girls, you feel invincible. But even you may grow faint and weary. Young men may stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on eagles' wings. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Who? Those who trust in the Lord. So will you stand up with me again as we finish and read together once more this song of ascent this song for the road that encourages us, that instructs us to look for a better strength. And it says this, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. It cannot be shaken. It remains forever. The mountains surround Jerusalem and the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, so that the righteous will not apply their hands to injustice. Do what is good, Lord, to the good, to those whose hearts are upright. But as for those who turn aside to crooked ways, the Lord will banish them with the evildoers. Peace be with Israel and peace be with you.